Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, the earnings wreckage rages on as this season is taking no prisoners. But could the sell-offs be creating the best sales of the year? The traders weigh in. Plus, it's Teflon Tesla, the stock surging nearly 13% because of something Elon Musk just did. We will tell you what is investors so excited. But we start with the wild day for the markets. It started out looking like total chaos on Wall Street. Stocks are getting slammed right at the open. The Dow was down nearly 550 points at the lows. The Nasdaq was getting crushed. But then, just like magic, boom. A reversal of fortune, and everything was awesome once again. Stocks staging a major comeback. The Dow ending the day down less than half a percent, just over 100 points. The Nasdaq and S&P snapping back as well. So is today's action a sign the market lows are in? And is it safe to put fresh money to work? Guy. You know, last fresh. night, Dan, fresh what money do you think to of work. That word, by the way? I, don't, I, don't, I like it in certain contexts. In the context <laughs> Not with of money. For some reason, it just irritates Should me. Should you believe the bounce is the question? No, I don't think so. And Pete and I were talking in the green room prior to the show. Nice and actually, independently, we came up with the same conclusion that although today felt like a bottom, and obviously the reversal was pretty interesting, and I think gave bulls uh, renewed optimism, I don't think the worst is over for a number of different reasons that we've talked about and can continue to talk about. I think the situation with China continues to get worse. And i got to tell you something. The earnings reports that we've seen, especially today, had nothing to do with the Fed. I mean, they had everything to do with companies that see a slowdown, and that doesn't harken well, I think, going forward. They see a slowdown. They see the impact of tariffs. They see increased materials costs, increased labor costs, increased freight costs. You're, you're, and you're starting to get some data points. We had a Richmond Fed out this morning. People are like, well, Richmond Fed, what does that mean? Well, you know, you're seeing continuation of these regional Fed surveys that show, first of all, the job market. There's not enough skilled workers. That means a lot of companies are actually foregoing projects. You're seeing major price input pressure, and you're seeing actually more weakness in terms of confidence. So some, it's it's not time for Sarah and Tegan, Dan, and I know you listen to them at home. The but everything is awesome. Every, yes. Everything is not awesome. And in fact, I would look at high yield as a place to say everything's not awesome. In fact, we're, we're getting near two-year lows on high yield. Uh, and people want to say, hey, it's not affecting credit. Guess what? It will affect credit. And I, and I do think that when you consider that money has been almost free uh, and the Fed is guiding to a very different paradigm in the near term, I actually think there's reason to continue to stay cautious. But there's zero reason, as Guy said, to expect that so the concerns are hanging over this market. Was this a headache in your view? This return back up? Oh, yeah, the reversal of Is everything well, awesome, Pete? Well, I would say this. If you're just looking at earnings themselves, I thought they were pretty fantastic. 3M aside, you look at the rest of them. Caterpillar Cat wasn't bad. They just the numbers were great, but their guidance was a little bit off. And why was that? Probably because of the Chinese tariffs, right? I mean, that's one of the big things I think that's affecting a lot of this right now. But I think it's really interesting. We saw a lot of VXX buying, and what that means is people in the short term feel like the volatility is here to stay. So we'll see how long of a stay it is. We had that spike up today. We didn't get up and through 25. Dan, I know you're. The guy was talking about optimism, and I know that that was going against what you – you've been right. We've seen this market going down, 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 some choppy down to the downside. I would say this. I would say earnings are great, but a lot of this guidance has been something concerning, and it's because we don't have clarity. And when you don't have clarity, people get confused, and they don't know exactly how they want to react. Uh, yeah, so, you know, as far as the rally off the bottom, I mean, if, if all the indices had closed green on the day, I would have said you're going to have a couple-day rally into, let's say, Thursday's earnings, which are going to be right. really important, obviously. As we get into MAGA, I, listen, the only way out of this is MAGA. MAGA. It's, it's the so only way out of it. I'm telling you, it's the only way out of this correction right now. Otherwise, Can it is a bear market rally right now. Oh, it's the Microsoft, the Apple, the Amazon, the Google. 
Where's your hat? Listen. Seriously, can you put a hat on? But I'm being very serious. <laughs> We're going to get it's out. It's the only we'll way out, out of this. And you said cat. I heard the commentators this morning say it was great. Yeah, it stock was. Th- dude, that stock was six, $160 two weeks ago. Yesterday on the close, it was 131 This morning when I turned on Squawk in front, or Squawk Box, it was trading at 118 or something like that. There was right. nothing good about it. There, there actually was. There was a lot good about it. Oh, really? The problem, the problem was down on the, day. the vision going forward oh, was the problem. They said People the markets were healthy. They said pricing remains good. Let's Cost see, so far. Discipline helped. One, so they Mel, beat on okay. the quarter. So, Mel, but what they I'm saying, sentiment was guidance. already horrible Trading going 15, into the print. Uh, you would have thought they could have said anything and met their numbers and the stock would have gone up. But maybe it's what they didn't say that speaks volumes. Maybe it's the fact they didn't raise guidance for the first time since the beginning they? of 2016. Right, exactly. Why they? Exactly. They're Why doing the right they? thing. Which, which raises the whole notion that there are clouds in the horizon that perhaps we just don't know about. They're taking the conservative route. Well, yeah, I think if you, you know, Caterpillar, I think we got this last quarter, too, out of these guys. I don't think that there's any reason if you're a big industrial play that is a certainly a global play. And again, John Deere is positioned differently. They are much more positioned domestically on the industrial side. Caterpillar is a global company. And in fact, they need to see orders out of China. And in fact, that's where, you know, I think the trade war will start to kick in. And remember, I'll repeat, I don't think that we've gotten on the macro side in terms of economic data outside of some of these regional Fed series. Anything that indicates we're in a trade war right now on this soil, the companies are the ones that need to tell you that. And when they guide weaker or at least tell you that they're not as ambitious as they were last quarter. I don't think it's about ambition. I think it's the fact that they don't they don't have the clarity because we haven't made any decisions going forward. But that that alone tells you something. In the the face of a Fed that seems so sure. A Fed that's so so sure. And so on its path to raise rates. And very transparent. Headstrong. Exactly. Headstrong, but also transparent. So we, we have a we have a sense of what the Fed thinks and what they're likely to do, right? I think we have a very strong sense of how they're going to be reacting and how they're going to be going forward. But what we don't know is, does the president ever get something done with this negotiations with China? That's what we don't know. And that's why Kat can't you give know, you a great I, I, guidance because they don't know. This, this could be a great setup for the people who are really conditioned to buy the dip. As we head in, we, we're likely to see more volatility into the midterms. Let's say there's a result that the markets like. Let's say we continue to be volatile. Um, there's a good chance that volatility settles down. There's a good chance we move a little higher. Let's say those MAGA results are pretty good. And then let's say there is some resolution or there's light at the end of the tunnel to the trade thing, you have the S&P back up at 2,900 like that into year end. I mean, that is the, probably the best case scenario over the next two months. Do you think that's going to happen? Well, I, I, listen, I think there's a scenario where the midterms don't really, um, they don't cause volatility post-election. And I think there's a scenario where if it goes the way of the current administration, where they have now the ability to kind of do what they need to do on the trade front. Um, uh, you know, I'll just get back to you. Germany was down 25 2.3% today and is now near December 2016 lows. The rest of the world is really suffering. I think you know, this is telling us more than we and want. And at to. what point should we be concerned about how the rest of the world is doing in relationship to the U.S.? Something does something have to give? Until the last couple of weeks, nothing's had to give, right? We've said you know, right. the U.S. is its own thing. Now, now, obviously, things are starting to even out. And I've been listen. We have brought up Deutsche Bank a hundred times on this show, and European banks have been a drain. Now the question is. Why is Citibank trading where it's, I think, Citibank, did Citibank make a 52-week low. low today? Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why Citibank made a 52-week low. I think it's because of their exposure to Europe. Everybody says that Deutsche Bank is contained, it's not systemic. I have no idea, clearly. But I can't say categorically that it's not systemic. The way I can't say categorically that it's contained. Something clearly is going on with so everything banks. is not awesome. I hate that. If Pretty they much play- across the board. That, that's what the agreement is on the desk. Well, our okay. next guest says the market bottom is actually in sight. 
Let's go off the charts with Chris Verona, strategic uh, research partners to break it all down. Hey, Chris. Hey, Melissa. How are you? And yeah, I think, you know, when we look at today's price action, namely reversal off 2691 at about 10 a.m., um, maybe if there was one thing that was missing today, we didn't get that real good flush input calls. What I want to see here, if we just kind of um, take this into context the last four or five days, we probably have to get this market above the 2760 level to make an all clear call. That's really the downtrend from the last four or five days. But what I think is notable, this is the percentage of stocks making a one month low uh, on the S&P. This hit roughly 80% uh, about a week and a half ago. When you tend to see these spikes, you're at least in the ballpark of putting in some type of a tradable low. So whether it's 2691 this morning, we suspect we're probably within two or three percent of putting in a good tradable low. But when we look at the sectors, I think we need to be very careful about what is leadership and what is not leadership. This is the industrials, the percentage of stocks down at least 20 percent. We're right up there in the ballpark of how bad 2015, 2016 got, and frankly, pretty close to how bad the internal weakness it was in 2010. So I think when we look internally, this has been a spot of really uh, meaningful deterioration. This will take time to repair in this sector. Conversely, if we look at a sector like healthcare, there's been very little internal weakness. The number of stocks down 20% or more has not really expanded. So this is still a leadership group. This is the type of stock that we want to own coming out of this. And I'll give you one more. Really, the Apple chart has not deteriorated here. Apple made new relative highs. So I think the message is, as the market tries to find some footing, we want to focus on what is still leadership here. For us, that is healthcare. For us, that is Apple. That's how we want to play this. All right, Chris, come on over to the desk. No question. Stephanie will bring no question it. About oh, you know, Tim. No I question mean, about it. Why are you getting mad at me? No, I'm not getting mad at you. I mean, always, that's just gratuitous and just. Chris in the pantheon of whatever. He is a pantheon. He's a pantheon. He's a Parthenon and a pantheon. Yeah, you're darn right. So, 2760 is the level that we need to clear. What does it look like in terms of the, the path to get to 2760, given the internals of the market? Yeah, you know, we're in the ballpark here. And like I said, I think the low today was 2691. I think you can reasonably uh, argue with where we are with respect to the calendar. You're within the ballpark of a tradable low. I think the big question, if we play the long game here, what did the first six or nine months of 2019 look like? The quality of whatever rally we get here is going to tell us a lot about next year. Does global leadership re-expand, right? Does the rest of the world get involved? Is it more than just tech uh, that's working? Does credit start to behave here again? I think those are the questions that remain as we move into next year that will dictate what the first six or nine months uh, will look like. So, Chris, one of yeah. the names you focused on was Apple, and it does show great relative strength. It looks really constructive. We know that there's very positive sentiment around the fundamentals. They don't report until November 1st. Last time they reported, the stock went up in two days, 10%. Yeah. Bro broke out to a new high and then just kept on going. Does this stock in this market have that ability to do that next week when they report if it's a beaten raise? You know, I think about it from this perspective. It seems like every quarter when we go into the Apple numbers, the, the, the mood around the street is pretty negative. And that's certainly no different than as we approach these numbers next week. I would say this. Every single opportunity the stock has had the opportunity to disappoint, it hasn't. So we have to respect the relative strength here. This is still a leadership stock. And frankly, we think about the market cycle. It's really hard to reset the market cycle until the big leaders ultimately get hit. And Apple hasn't gotten hit here yet. 
How about relative weakness? Yeah. So I look at small cap stocks, sure. and 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 what do you see in the correlations there? Because small cap stocks ultimately led the S and P up in the, in, you know, last year and into the peak of the S and P, and have absolutely underperformed, down 14 percent from the peak. Yeah. So uh, Russell 2 down 14. You have about 70 percent of Russell 2000 stocks already down 20. So the internals have actually been weaker. That's about where this thing bottomed in 2015, 2016, 2010 uh, as well. So I think we're in the ballpark there. But Tim, what's been notable to us as we talk about small caps weeks, uh, U.S. week, um, EM has actually started to firm here uh, a little bit. Look at EM credit. Look at EM currencies. Currencies for sure. Right. So there seems to be a little bit of a different message. The markets that got hit first are actually starting to exhibit some relative outperformance. Are they usually a precursor to the stocks, EM stocks firming? Yeah. You know, if you look at EM stocks, currency. EM stocks have made new lows over recent weeks. EM credit has not. EM currencies have not. So there's a little bit of a tone change. Mm -hmm. Frankly, the dollar should be stronger here. The fact that it's not, I think, is notable. Yen should be stronger. The fact that it's not is notable. So the risk off tone uh, abroad seems to be abating, uh, actually, the last week or so. All right, Chris, great to see you. Thank, Thank you. you. Chris Verona, Strategus. Pete, what'd you do today? You know, I didn't get a chance to do a whole lot of anything. I didn't really like what I saw in the markets. I saw that VXX, and I actually thought, hey, we're down four or 500 points. This could be one of these days where we could either finish down 1,000 or finish the way we did where we actually start to rally back up. So I, I thought there were opportunities out there. I missed them, and by that time, I didn't want to chase them. I still think tomorrow we're in for some very interesting trading. Tim? Well, it was interesting because today was one of those days where it felt like we could actually really cascade significantly lower. Yeah. And, and and so for investors that hung in there, they got some reinforcement, which they've had. They had it on October 11th, these days where it appears like we should be selling everything, but actually it could be that the machines are in charge. So uh, I, I just urge you to find the companies that you own that you know the most about. Those are the ones you should have the highest conviction on. And those are the ones we should probably do, be doing nothing on a day like today because nothing changed for them. All right. Coming up, he is the hedge fund manager who called for 50 percent correction in stock. So today's, did today's action change his tune? Mark Yusko of Morgan Creek Capital will be here. Plus, check out shares of Texas Instruments. The chipmaker falling about 5%. The conference call is going on right now. We'll tell you what Wall Street is saying about the stock after the report. And don't look now, but Tesla, it's soaring ahead of earnings. It hasn't even reported yet, and we will explain what is behind the move. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Amidst the market chaos, an unlikely star emerged, Tesla. The automaker roaring back to life, soaring 13% today. Phil LeBeau's breaking down Tesla's big move from Chicago. Hey, Phil. Hey, Melissa. Tesla usually reports its quarterly, quarterly earnings on the first of the month, the second month after the uh, quarter end. So we were not expecting this until perhaps November 1st. And then Tesla said, wait a second, we're going to report on Wednesday. That immediately got people thinking, including Adam Jonas at Morgan Stanley. Well, listen, maybe they've got some positive news. That's why they moved up the timing of the report. It's possible they could report a slight profit for the third quarter, which is what many people have been talking about for some time. And we know that the Model 3 certainly helped the performance in the third quarter. And then there was this uh, note from Andrew Left at Citroen Research. Andrew basically saying... Plain and simple, Tesla is destroying the competition. Remember, Andrew Left has long been a short seller on Tesla shares and has long said, stay away from the stock. Why does he think they're destroying the competition? Well, there are a number of reports, Clean Technica being one of them, saying, look at the Model 3 sales as well as Model S and Model X in the United States. By their calculation, they are by far the best-selling EVs in the U.S. We should point out, Tesla does not break out its sales 
by country. So there's no way to confirm these numbers, but this is one reason why Andrew Leff says we think that this is going to be a great third quarter for Tesla and that they are killing the competition. Remember, we get their numbers after the bell, and then, as always, Melissa, on your show, we will get the earnings call. You never know what Elon Musk has to say. That should be an interesting one, but all indications, Phil, are that Elon Musk will, in fact, be the primary speaker on this call, as he has been in the past. That no indication no, that he no wouldn't be. There's no effort yeah. to limit no. his No indication that he, yeah, no indication that he will not be on this call. Now, his behavior on the call, that's a completely different question, given what we've had over the last two or three quarters. But there's no indication that this call will be any different or out of the ordinary. This is going to be a good one, Phil. Thank you. Phil LeBeau joining you us from Chicago. Pete, if you're going to report earnings tomorrow, would you want your stock to be up 13% the unlikely. day Unlikely. Very, very unlikely. I, I, and and the, the most puzzling thing was, uh, you know, I've heard multiple times over years now about Andrew Left and the negativity he's had towards Tesla. So this... It, it just seems like it's out of nowhere. I, I'm shocked by it, to be honest with you. Well, I really I, am. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you can flip a switch. And, and right. And that, that, to me, makes no sense. But I'll, I'll let Andrew do his work and explain his story. Um, that's not a reason to rally the stock, just be clear. Um, and I would say the pessimism around the name is what it was yesterday. Having said that, again, they've already told you 83,500 uh, third-quarter deliveries. That number was out two or three weeks ago. So you can do with this what you want. Um, stock didn't do anything on those numbers. I, think th I don't think they're crushing the competition at all. And, in fact, I think the valuation right now is as lofty as it's ever been. The concern for me would be, forget all those things, no, it's about the raise that it has to come at a certain point and how the stock's going to trade if, in fact, they do announce they have to raise capital. It's traded great over the last three and a half, four years, but given all the rhetoric around the stock now and what Mr. Musk has done to himself, I don't think it will trade nearly as well. And I said it a couple weeks ago when it was 320. Sometimes there's stocks that you just get yourself all backwards on in Tesla the last couple of months. You feel that's a been backwards right now. Hundred percent backwards. That you song looked, that I mean, you are. What was that Chrissy Teigen song? Everything is awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It, it, oh. It's not Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> whatever. It's not. Well, everything is not awesome well, with me and Tesla. By the way, like two weeks ago, Tesla was up <laughs> even more on a percentage basis. I mean, you think this move is big in Tesla? It was up 17 percent on news of the this, SEC settlement. This was a good old-fashioned bear raid by somebody who knows exactly what they're doing. He knows exactly when to short him. He's called some amazing tops and some very, very high sentiment names on the short side, and he knows when to cover too. At this time around, he just thinks it was a, a, a coiled spring into the event. Nobody wants to be short pressed like that. So to me. Uh, Conspiracy theorists might think that they moved up the numbers because the numbers were good. Yeah, sure could. I, I got some calls that are way out of the money. I'm still waiting. Hopefully one of these oh. days these kick in, so we'll see. All right. Well, ahead of the earnings, Dan, what did options traders see in terms of action? Yeah, so today, even with that 13% raise, um, you know, the implied move is about 10%. So the report tomorrow after the close. On average, though, the stock over the last four quarters has moved um, about 9%. Call volume was about one and a half times that of puts. Nine of the most active strikes were actually calls today. The most active strike was 18,000 of the November 310 calls. Interestingly enough, it started the day with that initial pop of about 5%. It looked like there was somebody selling out of blocks of those calls, kind of maybe getting a little relief because of that pop and getting out. But by the end of the day, I saw some buying in that November 310 call strike. On average, they traded about uh, 10 bucks here. So obviously, if you're buying those today, you're 
you're looking for a continuation above 310 between now and November expiration. You know, real quickly, oh, uh, sorry. you know, guy, so we have a little sorry, process Dan. here. We do this hit, you know, we work through I the activity. You were done. Then we get to the charts. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so we have a two year. Yeah. Look at this thing. You know, 250 oh, so was weird. that wow. kind of line that it couldn't wow. kind of break through, Dan right? Really and it really found some good support. That, that might have kind of factored into that kind of call by Mr. Left. And then look at this one since it's IPO here. That's a log chart. If you look at it, it's really massively underperformed the broad market. It's traded in these very tight ranges. Log chart. All of the gains, or most of the gains, came in 2013 for this thing. Now may sure I did. speak. Yeah, I was going to ask, where can I learn more <laughs> about strategies like this? Oh, Apparently, you if you've listened in a little bit longer. On Options Action, <laughs> the full show is Friday evening, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for asking, Guy. For more on Tesla and Elon Musk, you can head over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in business worldwide. Here's what else is coming up tonight on Fast. Where is the market going next? Fair value is, is down about 40 or 50 percent. That's what a top hedge fund manager said earlier this month. He'll tell us what he thinks is different now. Plus, this is what earnings season has felt like for investors. But don't worry, the traders will tell you exactly how to profit from the chaos. Much more Fast Money right after this break. Welcome back to Fast Money. It was another wild day for the market with the S&P closing in the red, but well off the lows of the day. Despite the reversal, a number of sectors still sitting in correction territory. Let's get to Bob Bassani at the New York Stock Exchange with all the details. Hey, Bob. Hello, Melissa. You know, six of the 11 sectors of the S&P 500 are in correction territory. That means down 10 percent or more from recent highs. Now, materials are the worst performers on concerns about a China slowdown, on concerns about tariffs, concerns about higher costs. But it's a tiny part of the S&P. It's only 2 percent of the weighting, so it doesn't matter that much. But industrials, they're a different story. They're 11 percent from their recent highs, also in correction territory. On the same concerns, China slowdown, tariffs and higher costs. But they're about 10 percent of the weighting in the S&P, so they do matter. So when 3M and Caterpillar move a lot, they're industrials, the S&P moves. Energy stocks are 12 percent off of their recent highs. Now, crude suffered its biggest daily loss in three months today as inventories keep building. That's the main story. But there's other stories. The Saudi energy minister said that the country would continue to increase production to meet world demand. Remember, sanctions on Iranian oil are set to begin on November 4th. Financials have been unloved all throughout the year, but particularly in the last month, it's been ugly since J.P. Morgan reported. Most banks have sold off after earnings in the last few weeks. But there was a glimmer of hope today. The regional banks that reported, the Zions, the Huntington Bank shares, the Fifth Third, they reported decent earnings and they traded up. That's a change. Now, you throw consumer discretionary into this mix, too, where autos and home builders have pushed that sector 10 percent off of its highs. And the newly formed communication services sector as former high flyers like Twitter and Facebook and Alphabet, they're in that group. They're all well off their highs. Now, the good news for the bulls today, and it was very obvious, there was clear signs of nibbling on the bottom of the most beaten up sectors. I highlighted all day semiconductors, regional banks and the home builders, all of which rallied off a significant sell off at the open. Home building stocks whopping 34 percent off their recent highs. Regional banks not much better. Semis week as well. We'll see if that continues tomorrow. Back to you, Melissa. All right, Bob. Thanks. Bob Bisani at the New York Stock Exchange. Home builders, regionals, buy any of these 
Well, I mean, regional, regional, listen, we talked about the Bank of the Ozarks the other day. It's clear that regional banks, you can't lump them all together. They're individual stories. Some make sense, don't make sense. In terms of the home builders, I think you've got to stay away from them for a myriad of different reasons. People have raced them in terms of valuation. It's been the wrong call. The place to be has been health care. But I've got to give kudos to Dan, who a couple days ago said Bristol Myers is in trouble. And that stock has gone down from 62 to 50. Interesting thing about Bristol. Obviously, competition with Merck's not going their way. But they report, I think, on the Thursday of this week, valuation is getting compelling. We're at levels we last saw about four or five months ago. Maybe Bristol's putting in a short-term bottom. But I think healthcare, if you want to find a place that still makes sense, ex-Bristol is a place to be. Yeah, and just on Bristol, I mean, it looked like a safety stock. It traded yeah. really well off a, a bottom, and it's not. It went down I'm in a straight line. You know, I, I, I mean, and listen, and the other thing about semis, and we're going to get to Texan later in the show, but um, again, this is, a, you know, I think it's a really cyclical group that's been telling us a lot for a long time. Um, so I think that we're going to get a broader read-through in tech when we start seeing the supply chain. And it doesn't look great. It just doesn't look great. I don't know right. if it's over for materials. Sorry, Tim. I don't know if it's over for materials or mm -hmm. not, because one of the things I saw today that was a huge buyer was a buyer of puts actually in U.S. Steel, and it's a name we've had yep. some good trades in it as well. But now all of a sudden it looks like down, 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 time. down, and they're rolling out of the November 26th to the 24 puts. So it seems to be like people are aggressively saying, "Hey, look, I'm going to press my bets. This is going lower." And just really quickly, the home bill. I mean, Paul had great numbers. I think that's short covering. I think the energy space is the space to look at. XLE down. All right. Two weeks ago, our next guest warned a meaningful stock correction was coming. Fair value is is down about 40 or 50 percent. Now, that doesn't mean we have to go to fair value, but if interest rates keep normalizing, if liquidity keeps falling, uh, if if earnings don't uh, or if earnings go to where I think they're going to go, which is lower, uh, I think we're going to have a meaningful correction. Let's bring in Mark Yusko, CEO and chief investment officer at Morgan Creek Capital Management. Mark, great to speak with you again. Um, hey, Melissa, thanks for having me. I was on the other side of that interview, uh, and, and my jaw dropped when you said down 40 to 50 percent is fair value <laughs> in the markets. Where are we in that process that you called for? Yeah, look, I think it's a, a multi-year process, as we talked about, you know, after that initial comment, is I think we're playing out just like 2000. We have a tech bubble in 2000. We have tech bubble 2.0 now. Those stocks are rolling over. The cyclicals are starting to roll over. By the end of 2000, starting about September, we were down about 9%. Then the recession hit in 2001, we were down another 14%. And then we had the really bad year in 2002 following 9-11. So hard to predict something like that. You know, when but, you make comparisons uh, to a tech bubble in, in 2000, I mean, that, those are fighting words, Mark. And the tech sector looks very different from, from how it looked back then. I mean, valuations, for one, are nowhere near where they were back during the tech bubble. I mean, we're much closer to market multiples on a lot of technology. I mean, of course, there are pocketfuls of pockets of, uh, of highly valued tech, but closer to market multiples as a sector compared to where we were back in 2000. Sure, but it doesn't, doesn't take the whole sector to go down. I mean, you have, you have you know, Netflix trading at 200 times EV to EBITDA, not 200 times PE. That's like 330 times. You got Amazon trading at uh, 200 and something times. These are stratospheric levels that, you know, remember Sun Microsystems back in 2000 saying, if you pay me 10 times my revenue, I have to pay you all of my revenue for the next 10 years for you to make a good rate of return. Hard to do that if I have to pay taxes and pay my employees. So these numbers are kind of silly. And look, we've started the downward momentum. Uh, you're seeing all the sectors start to roll over one by one. You're seeing earnings disappoint, big earnings disappointments today. 
I think it's really hard to make a bullish case at this point. Hey, Markets, Tim. So, you know, we've been talking about global markets for a long time, you and I. And, and I guess the question I have for you is, is, isn't there fair value out there, though? And how do you explain this underperformance? Because this is as stark as we've seen in a long time. Well, fair value is a, a really simple construct, right? It has to do with the discounted stream of future cash flows. And one of the things that has pushed stocks to stratospheric levels, you know, we're the second most overvalued we've ever been in history. On average, we're about 109% overvalued when you look at all the different valuation indicators that people watch. And that's second only to the tech bubble. And why did that happen? What well, happened because interest rates went to record lows. And when interest rates are low, people are willing to pay a higher price. Now, as the Fed raises rates, that crutch goes away and we're going to go back to fair value. But, Mark, I mean, but what measures are you talking about? Because price to sales, I agree with you, but I don't agree with you on P.E. or price to book. Uh, and you're saying this is some well, composite measure. I don't know what that is. No, look, we, we can talk about P.E. 10. So we can talk about the Schiller P.E. It's the second highest ever in history. We can talk about forward P.E. Normal forward P.E. is closer to 11 and a half. We're at close to 17 and a half. Very different. Part of the problem, too, is everybody's looking at the last 20 years instead of the last 40 or 50 years. The last 20 years are polluted data by the craziness of 2000. So what do you do in this market environment, Mark? I mean, it sounds like you would be short, but according to my notes, you're going to hide out sectors like healthcare, utilities, and staples. Well, we've been hedged all year with a D. I think hedge funds are gonna outperform dramatically. HDGE is a place to hide out. Uh, you know, DWSH is a place to hide out. What I said, well, I gave you some notes on there are places inside the market that when the markets turn from offensive to defensive, you can actually hide out. So if you want to be long equities, which we are, you know, only about 40% net exposed, we're overweight things like healthcare, we're overweight, are starting to look at things like utilities, uh, overweight things like staples. And you like emerging markets. Well, and we 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 going to starting to fish in emerging markets. Mm -hmm. They've been pummeled. Some of the emerging markets down 50, 60 percent. China's down 34 percent. We like when markets go on sale. We're, we're value people at our core. We like to buy what's on sale. All right, Mark. We're going to leave it there. Thanks for joining us. Sure. We appreciate it, Mark Yuska. Nope, thanks for having me. Borgen Creek Asset Management. Tim, would you nibble on EM right here? He likes uh, nibbling on China, Argentina, Russia. Brazil, South Korea. I like Nibbling on Brazil. Uh, I see actually a, a very similar setup to when Lula took power in the elections and where valuations are and where commodities are. So um, I don't think EM is particularly cheap as an asset class. It's, it's underperformed the S&P by 22%. Um, and this is as low on a relative basis as we've been since the crisis. But I do think it's overdone. Uh, Chris talked about currencies and, and some of the credit firming up. They have. They have. Well, Mark talked about PE levels and any compared to 11 forward versus 17 forward. But I, I think he has to also acknowledge the, the idea of growth. And the growth is much different in a lot of these companies. So you can find great PEs with incredible growth out there, Apple, Microsoft. There are names within tech. And obviously, they're the boom names as well. So I think it's all about individual names and what you're selecting. All right. Check out Texas Instruments getting crushed after hours. The chips have been some of the hardest hit stocks in the recent sell-off. We'll get instant reaction from Wall Street next. And it's not just Texas and a handful of other names getting absolutely wrecked this earnings season. But the traders have two names that look so bad. They might actually they good. be good. More fast money, just two minutes away. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Texas Instruments. Let's get to Josh Lipton in San Francisco. Josh. 
Mel, let's start with a hot take from the street. I checked in with a couple guys who cover this name. Christopher Rowland over at Susquehanna simply saying, listen, not good talking about this print. We have been talking about the semi-cycle rolling over, he told me. Semis will be down tomorrow. Anything broad-based will be exposed. I also checked in with Hans Mosesman from Rosenblatt. He said, listen, this outlook of down about 12% quarter of quarter uh, at $3.8 billion, that is below consensus. He said weaker trends across the board for analog and embedded segments. Consensus view, he's saying, was for a slight miss. This was a bit worse than expected. TI execs on the call, they talked about slowing demand for products, specifically uh, industrial demand slowing to upper single-digit growth. Automotive did grow double digits, but they emphasized that growth slowed from previous quarters. As for that Q4 outlook, we are heading into a softer market, they told analysts. They tried to emphasize they'll execute and be disciplined. They do continue to focus on the industrial and automotive markets. If you talk about TI, you know, listen, it was down about 7% month to date heading into this print. It's not alone, of course. If you look at the SMH, it's now down about 11% month to date. That means that ETF is now on track for its worst month since August 2010. Melissa, back to you. All right, Josh, thanks. Josh Lipton in San Francisco. And you take a look at some of the semiconductors that are more exposed to the industrial uses. Cypress Semi, for one, that's down almost 3% right now. NXPI, which of course has major exposure, particularly China. to auto and China, down 2%. So what do you make of the action? Yeah, I think that is the most important takeaway. So it's not the PC or the smartphone supply chain that we're focused on here. It's really into industrials. But listen, we're already seeing that in a lot of industrial names. We're seeing that weakness. So, you know, this sort of confirmation for a stock that's already down 20% from the all-time highs it made back in January. This is a theme, people. It's not a little blip. Well, what, what's the name of this show? Fast Money, Tim. Okay, so se semis, it se says it right behind semis us. have been dead money, have been dead money for a year. Okay, basically. Not the, all semis. Well, I'm, if you look at the sector, and again, you could have you checked out a year ago and been the same place you are now. Now, maybe that's a good place, but uh, we really started selling off in March from the highs where we're down about 20% on the SMH overall. That is exactly when we got information on the trade front. Is it a coincidence? I don't know. Um, even though we think that the chips are uber cyclical and uber leading, um, I think you could actually see this thing turn dramatically if and when if we get a turn on this trade rudder. I like to give compliments to the, our, the panel. Our, our, thank you, know, thank you guys. I appreciate our it. Because that's what we do. But oh, again, I, I go to Dan Nathan to my right. Oh. Who, wow, it's a lot of love it's for really, Dan. It's really. You guys want to hug Yeah. Makes yeah. me a little uncomfortable. Why don't you guys hug this out? Really uncomfortable. The whole left side anyway, of the desk. Anyway, what did you do, right? flagged yeah. Taiwan Semi a few that's weeks ago saying that this was sort of a bellwether. And if you look at how poorly that's traded, it's interesting. Texas Instruments, quickly. In December, Texan was about a $94 stock. It's where it's trading now. We have round-turned now the last 11 or so months. Does it get interesting in terms of valuation? The guide was miserable, but tomorrow do you flush out on big volume? Maybe it's an opportunity in TX. Multiple, nice job, Dan. multiple problems here because of the fact that when you really look at what their, where is their demand coming from, they talk about some of the slowing. It's in autos. It's in industrials. That is a problem. And the expectation was extremely high. So maybe this actually starts to lower the, the bar a little bit for those other chip names that maybe aren't ex as exposed to those particular categories and maybe in other categories that actually can are do Are you really well. talking about Dan? But what are you talking about, Dan? NVIDIA's nice gone down 20% in a straight line over the last few weeks. So NVIDIA and AMD They've come after the high multiples, Dan, though. We all know that, that aspect Whoa. of it. I'm, uh, no, seriously. Right. Double box, double box, twin box. I like what's going on. See, I disagreed with the last thing you said in the last segment. Stop here. Do this and that. This is a big mosaic, right? And if you just listen to Mark Yusko talking about 
tops. Tops are a process, right? Yeah. So if you take all these different inputs and you start putting it together, you start to get the sense that we have wow. a very weak economy. We have a very weak uh, expected earnings uh, growth that analysts and why are really is that? Do you think that's do you think that's based on what's going on right now? Or do you not agree with the idea that, there we go. that what's really happening right now is people don't have any vision going forward that's part of because it. of the tariffs? Isn't I that think just as bad? Isn't I, that almost just as bad when it comes to the Absolutely, and that's okay. probably 80% of what's affecting the market right now. That's, I know, but you know, the there's point. always that unforeseen thing. If you go back and look at the 2000 to 2003 bear market, you know, at first the, the NASDAQ bubble burst, and then we had 9-11 at the end of 01, and then we had corporate earnings just fell off a cliff. He's really gesticulating. Okay. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is, is that... It's, it's, you know, this uncertainty may last for a while. We may see global growth just slowing. We know that we cannot decouple from it. And maybe earnings in the U.S. have not been hacked enough for 2019. And maybe we are really expensive. Or maybe we're coming out of a, a, a situation when you go back to those. Last word to Pete. The why? 2000s. Why does he get last word? Because last, I say so. <laughs> She's That's in why. charge of this whole nice. thing. But nice. just like Mark was talking about, too, and he was doing comparisons, the problem is when you're comparing apples to apples, it's one thing. Apples to oranges is different. And the problem is the multiple at different times. The multiples now, other than the NVIDIAs of the world, there are many multiples out there that are still very palatable, I think, to most people. So, dude, break if they out. take a cut uh, to MAGA uh, earnings uh, for 2019, uh, 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 uh. this this You're going stop. to MAGA again. That's, it's, that's what it's all about. Dan. Dan. Earnings taking the market on a wild ride today. The Dow dropping nearly 550 points at the lows of the session, ending the day down by just over 100 points. How do you know what's safe to buy amid all of the earnings chaos? The traders will weigh in. Plus, CNBC's Courtney Reagan sitting down exclusively with the Target CEO moments ago, and he said something very bullish about the consumer. We will bring you those comments when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Disappointing earnings from 3M and Caterpillar taking the markets on a wild ride today and underscoring a key trend this earnings season, selling. Dom Chu's in the newsroom breaking down all of the big earnings losers and some of the surprising winners. Dom. Well, Melissa, this earnings season so far has been about the haves and the have-nots. It's a tale of two cities, the best times, the worst of times, whatever you want to call it. Today's trading action continued that trend. Now, the analysts over at Bespoke Investment Group looked at the average one-day price action of companies that have reported so far this season. They found that around three-quarters of them so far have posted a stock drop, meaning at least for now, it appears as though there's a sell-the-news type feel to the market. Some of that negativity is carrying through to more than just a day. If you look at shares of Netflix, Netflix, which are now down around 4% since its earnings report after an initial pop. Shares of Bank of America have slid by around 5% since its earnings report. And then there's Big Blue, IBM, still struggling to convince investors that its growth initiatives will set itself up for success longer term. Those shares are currently down around 10% since its earnings report. But it's not all negative. For the accentuate the positive folks, there are gainers on the heels of earnings as well. For example, you look at a stock like McDonald's today, closing up around 6%. Yes, it's only one day. We'll see if those gains hold. Or a stock like PayPal, which is up 13% since its report. It's also posted three straight days worth of gains. Now, it is, again, still relatively early in the earnings season, Melissa, but we're going to be paying close attention to whether or not that whole sell the news mentality ends up prevailing or not. Back over to you. All right, Dom, thanks. Dom Chu in the newsroom. Well, hey, given all of these moves. Well, I, I feel like I feel like yes. we need this, the, the morale on the desk is down. It would be a good time to play a game. Yeah, you know what? I, I think just, you're right. I, just, I, just, I think you're right. That's, I'm sorry, I, I hate to butt think, in like I that, think, but I just, you know. I think what we're going to do is play a little <laughs> trade it or fade it. Love this game. Uh, 
All right. I'm not. Are Guy and, and Dan going to be on the same team? Uh, I guess. Yes. yes. <laughs> Let's start with the biggest loser at our um, IBM. Pete, you trade it or fade it? I think at this point in time, you still can trade it. I, I actually own this stock. I, I am own still. IBM. I, I do, but I'm, I am waiting for some possible changes because I am disappointed like everybody was. That's why the stock is down as far as it is because post earnings, when we heard what went on in the earnings, the growth has slowed again. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Because they were, they were growing, but why and now they're it? slowing. So, I mean, because I the think same there's team an opportunity before, now going I want to go on to their team. Okay. Because, I <laughs> no, mean, you can't. I, there's, there's, there's zero there no growth there. Here. So you actually think there's not time. zero growth. They have, they have plenty of growth. It has slowed down from where it was. That's the problem in their, in their strategic area. I, I, okay, so, so that's I mean, the to, to formalize my view in this game, I would fade IBM. All right. In red. Uh, Bank of America, <laughs> yeah. Guy, trade it or fade it? So, look, I'm going to get, uh, there's going to be a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of blowback when I say what I'm going to do. So Ooh, this so is trade or fade or buy it or deny it. But I'm going to say fade it. Now, look, I've tried to be, you know, Dan said something. Why Again, back to Dan Nathan. Last night, oh, Dan started the show night, saying, I guy read. is being lazy. And I went home, the whole car right home, I thought about <laughs> I it. I actually texted you that after the show. I did not say it on air. <laughs> no, you said it on air. I don't air. think I you said, said it. You said it on air. You said that's a lazy answer. I remember yeah. I remember everything. <laughs> and, but he said, and I texted well. it to you. And then you reaffirmed And at a certain point, I said it on the show last night, I've tried to build this bullish case huh? for banks and the banks just keep going lower yeah. at a certain point you're wrong r-o-n-g wrong i'm wrong bank of america just reported four analysts have price targets from 34 to 36 mazel tov i say and maybe they're going to be right but i will tell you this book value in the stock is 24 dollars 25 city trades at book value maybe bank of america should be trading there as well i disagree i actually think it does go higher but you have to be patient just like you had to be with the pharma names look at the pharma names so now everybody would, wants to run to the pharma would, names right well you would i own big so trade i would it. trade it he'd trade it thank so you so what's the show called again tim fast money these stocks have been pretty decent <laughs> trading stocks the only thing i would say yeah. is that this one has not made a new 52-week low except that the xlf which is made up by bank and all of its mm. peers, did make a new 52-week low today. That past support becomes what now, guys? Resistance. There you go. I, I, you. I've done this before. God, he's played this Hug it out, guys. PayPal, bright spot in the market. Dan, trade it or fade it? You know, it is a bright spot. And this one actually, you know, relative to Square, which obviously was up a lot more um, into its highs a couple weeks ago, has showed really good relative strength. I think the earnings were there. I think it's a strong secular name. I think it's growth at a reasonable price. I don't see any reason to exit this one right now if you are along it. So trade it. Nice. Uh, Netflix. Tim, trade it or fade it? Uh, I, I've been fading this stock for a long time, unsuccessfully, but, you know, it's up 78% this year. We heard that it's down since the earnings. We thought 2018 might be peak churn. It's not. Peak burn, it's not. This company is going to continue to spend an enormous amount on content. The valuation to me um, is unexplainable, frankly. Um, I get early mover. I get their whole moat, except for the fact that I think Hulu, Amazon, and even Disney are major, major. Uh, and you didn't mention Apple. Today, the information had a report late in the afternoon it, saying that it. Apple will be launching a streaming uh, TV service that's going to compete directly with... You guys are on the same team on this one? So nice. Oh, yeah, should we hug You're it out? Idiot. Everybody loves Dan tonight. I know. Oh, Everybody so loves Dan. Like, wait, there was our show. Oh, the was a down day, and Dan tends to... Well, Retail stocks taken to the woodshed amid all the recent volatility, but the Target CEO just told CNBC's Courtney Reagan something about the consumer that could have you pressing the buy button before the break. The Kramer cam. Sneak peek into the Mad Money studio. And tonight, Jim is taking a look at one beaten down group of socks. He says, has found a bottom. Find out what those names are at the top of the hour. Meantime, more Fast Money straight ahead.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Courtney Reagan just spoke exclusively with Target CEO moments ago, so let's get straight to her what he said. Hey, Court. Hi, Melissa. So Target CEO Brian Cornell says he feels more ready than he's ever been going into the holiday season. I asked him if he still feels, as he did in August, that the consumer is as strong as he's ever seen. Here's what he said. For the U.S. consumer, you know, they're at work. They're seeing wages rise. Their confidence is strong. They've been very, very active in the marketplace. Now, obviously, our traffic's been up. So I think for the holiday season, this is going to be a really strong retail holiday season. And our focus is on making sure we capture market share and delight the consumer throughout that holiday season. So no changes in the health of the consumer since August 22nd not, for you? Not that we've seen. Not, not in the U.S. today. Obviously, you know, we've got to look to 2019 and beyond. But as we look at the consumer each and every day, you know, they're in our stores, they're shopping online, they're shopping multiple categories. And as we check consumer sentiment, it's still really high. Target detailed its holiday strategy, and really the main focus is making shopping easy. Target's giving shoppers basically seven different ways to shop, buy, and ship, including for the first time free two-day shipping with no minimum order for the holidays starting November 1st. Melissa. All right, Court, thank you. Courtney Reagan. So, Pete, is this the story of the consumer or is this the story of the target consumer? I think it's a little bit of a combination of both, but he talked about consumer confidence. He also talked about traffic, but categories, multiple categories. That's what differentiates Target from Walmart. Walmart, 56% of it, grocery. Target, multiple categories spread across, 20% of each. That's why he's winning, and that's why I think he's beating Walmart. How do you feel about I sellers? think the only way that would change that very bullish outlook on his consumer would be if the uh, stock market went down precipitously between oh. now and the end of the year. Think I think matters. that's the only way. I don't think well, it matters. Well, I, think, really? I think this Black Friday, I think this holiday season is going to crush it. I think these guys are actually, and the XRT is down 11% from the high. You, go. you buy that. Final trades next. Trade Pete. First data court, FTC, giddy up. Tim. Intel, stay in that semi. Dan. Uh, yeah, PayPal, I think you want to stick with the names that got marked down and did okay afterwards. I have Hi. a question for Pedro. What does America run on, Pete? Duncan. Yes, it does. Giddy up, baby. Heard on the 25th. It was up nice. today, Mel. That was Whoa. your fast pitch. All right, that does it for us here on Fast. See you back here tomorrow at 5. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.